Welcome to episode 22 of the Press Forward podcast. I'm Nathan Wrigley, and I'd like to thank you for joining us again. And if this is your first time with us, well, I hope that you like it and that you find it useful. If you want to make listening to this podcast a regular thing, you can subscribe to us on your favourite podcast player. And this can be done by going to wpnop.org forward slash podcast dash feed. Today, we're going to be talking to Marius Vitrici about how meditation helps him in his life. But before that, a few bits of housekeeping. The Press Forward podcast is created by WP and Up. We're a non-profit working in the WordPress space to help you, your colleagues, in fact anyone. The work is just beginning, but it's already demonstrating that it's much needed. For example, WP and Up have provided roughly 2,500 hours of companionship and mentorship. We have over 3.5,000 members. Our volunteers have donated over 5,000 hours. And there have been 6,000 event attendees. We'd love to get you involved. And involvement could mean a whole variety of things. Maybe you could help us out financially. If so, you could go to wpnop.org forward slash give. Or maybe you'd like to get involved with WPNOP. If so, then please visit wpnop.org forward slash contact or look for the social links in the website's footer. Perhaps you'd just like to explore the content that we're creating. And if that's the case, then there's a blog at wpnop.org forward slash blog. It's always getting fresh content and it's a great place to go for a quick read. We've also got a rather interesting project on over at head2.org. This is a 3,000 kilometre bike ride being undertaken by members of the WP and Up community next year. The ride will start in Berlin and it will end in Portugal. More specifically, it runs between the venues of the 2019 and 2020 WordCamp Europe's. Please go and check it out and see if you can become involved with this exciting project. In fact, if you go to wpnop.org forward slash blog, you'll find a few posts about the project. The Press Forward podcast is brought to you today by Green Geeks. Green Geeks offers an awesome managed web hosting platform that's built for speed, security and scalability, whilst being environmentally friendly. Enjoy a better web hosting experience for your WordPress website, backed by 24-7 expert support. And we thank Green Geeks for helping us to put on the Press Forward podcast. Today we hear from Marius Vitrici. He's a WordPress agency owner and developer working out of Romania. He's on the podcast today to talk about his journey with meditation It's a quick but deep dive into the subject. We talk about the history of meditation, the ways that Marius sees it as a benefit in his life, as well as more practical topics such as what people are actually doing whilst they meditate, and how you might get yourself started should your interest be piqued. Marius has been meditating for many years, but I thought it best to start out by getting a little bit of his background. So... I asked Marius to introduce himself. 
So, hello everybody. My name is Marius Vedrici. I'm a WordPress developer at heart, running WP Riders Agency. It's an eight-people agency. I live in Romania, and in Romania, in Bucharest, and we work with companies who want to develop WordPress plugins, and we do this kind of complex WordPress stuff. I'm married. I have two very nice kids, eight and six years old. And in my free time, I enjoy going for a hike with my family in the mountains or just riding a bicycle or meditating or reading, playing ping pong. So Marius has been working with WordPress to create complex projects with it. I wonder just how long he's been using it. Well, I have started blogging on WordPress back in 2008. I, I was writing my first blog on entrepreneurship that was in, in Romanian. And for about five years ago, I actually started developing using WordPress. I started taking my first freelancing WordPress jobs. And then one year later, I scaled up and built my agency And now. Ever since we are handling more and more projects. If you're anything like me, you might have had an interest in technology from an early age. And WordPress is just the latest in a long line of tools that you've used to get your work done. I asked Marius if he'd been using technology for a long time too. Oh, you made me thinking. Uh, you got me thinking. My first touch with technology was in 1988, I had a chance to program a percussion computer. It was a computer that was replacing a drummer in, in a band. So I was playing in a, yeah, I was playing in a band. I was eight years old and I was the drummer, but there were no drums. And I was programming this, this percussion computer that was uh, essentially generating those drum sounds. Yeah, and fast forward five years later, I was playing around with basic and Sinclair computers. And yeah, and then assembler language, and then Turbo Pascal and C++ and stuff like this. But later in 1999, when I joined university in Bucharest, I have started playing with Java and .NET and later with C Sharp and I don't know, probably I've been working with more than 10 different programming languages so far. Marius mentioned that he's from Romania, which, if I'm honest, I don't know a great deal about. So I wanted to know more about the technological landscape in Romania. Are his clients mainly domestic, or does his agency work with international clients too? 99% of our work comes from international clients from Northern America and, and from Western Europe, like UK and other countries. However, all the members of my team are from Romania. They are in Romania. And the landscape, in, in the technological landscape in Romania, it's, it's pretty amazing. It dates back to 1950s, 1960s, when we had some really good math professors and a really good math school. 
And later, a couple of years later, I think in, in the 80s, we had the first professors in cybernetics and, and programming. And because of that, nowadays, Romania is very technology-oriented. They say we have one of the fastest and cheapest internet in the world. By the way, now I'm at my home and I have an optical fiber, which costs me like 80 euros per month or so. So, yeah, all, all of this ha has contributed to an amazing development. And there are tons of talented developers here in, in these parts of the world. We move the conversation on to get to the heart of what we're talking about today. Marius's journey with meditation. At this point, I think I should make it clear that I'm not all that familiar with meditation, what you do, what benefits it brings. So I had to start out by asking about the basics, such as what form of meditation does Marius pursue? That's, that's a very good question. Uh, yeah, I have started to meditate seven years ago. I think meditation nowadays, it's a kind of misused and abused word because meditation is thousands years year old activity, but there are thousands of ways to meditate, not hundreds, not tens, thousands. Essentially, to meditate means to concentrate your own mind in, into one single point and to keep it there. You could meditate by observing your breath, by observing your bodily sensations. You can listen to one sound. You can repeat a mantra or words, or you can imagine a shape of something or someone, and so on and so on. You can listen to the gong. There are myriads of ways to meditate. Now, the, the meditation that I found, uh, I, I think I tried a couple of styles, of meditation styles, and the one that I found very useful in terms of return on investment in my day-to-day -day life, it's called Vipassana or Vipassana meditation. And Vipassana, it's a very old word, uh, which means to see things as they really are. It's a word in Pali language. It's a dead language. And they don't speak it anymore. But essentially, Vipassana is a way to train your mind to observe the reality as it is, free of delusion, free of things that you crave until you lose your mind and you, you, you basically uh, you react impulsively and free of aversion, as in free of repulsion, free of hatred. And, and so on. So essentially to practice, in order to learn to properly practice Vipassana, according to the school that I, I have been learning this, by the way, there are at least three or five ways to practice Vipassana. And yeah, yeah, I told there are thousands of and variations. So the school that I, I have been following is the school of uh, a teacher called Goenka, and the website is uh, dhamma.org. It's D-H-A-M-M-A.org. And essentially what this teacher has, has done, he has taken out the Vipassana out of all the religious ceremonies and religious rites. And, and essentially Vipassana, it's a pre-Buddhist meditation technique that teaches you how teaches you the science of of mind and and the matter how your mind influences your body 
your body is formed of matter particles and how your body uh, would influence your mind. It essentially teaches you to be equanimous, to, to have that quality of the mind called equanimity. Equanimity, it's a, it's a balance of your mind. It's being, one is equanimous when one is not reacting on autopilot to the vicissitudes of life, to the challenges of life. You, you are very aware, you are not a vegetable, you are super aware, you see exactly the things that, that are, are under your nose, you observe the reality as it is, and then you act courageously. And always, always you do that with, with, a, with a background, with a fulcrum of ethics and very healthy values toward all beings around you. And this is very important, the, the ethical part. I suppose that you don't just randomly find yourself meditating one day. You'd need to go out and search for it. Perhaps you feel like you'd like to try something new. Maybe you've heard stories from others about it. Or it might be that you're facing a crisis and are searching for some solace. What was Marius searching for when he found meditation? I will have been always searching for something. <laughs> some people look for for a tool or a technique or for help when they have a challenge in their life. But other persons will just look We'll look at meditation as a way to develop oneself and to evolve. Thousands of years old, great philosophers say, know thyself. Meditation is an excellent way to know yourself at the bodily level and to understand much better what's happening inside of your body. How are you reacting to the, the things that happen around you? So, yeah, I, I started meditating seven or eight years ago, I was having a pretty good life, balanced life. Our first kid was just born. I was already married for like three years and I kept meditating for about uh, one year. But then our second kid was born and he had a certain medical problem that would prevent him to sleep well. So during the first two years, of his life, he was waking up for 10 times per night. So two years, 10 times every night. So all of this came in as a huge challenge uh, on, on our family, on my life and, and on myself. And to make things even worse, during that period, I was transitioning between businesses. I was closing down a 10-year-old software business and I was getting trained in conflict mediation and helping other people around solve and fix their the issues, their communication problems. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make a business out of it, to make a living out of it. Next, after like eight months of conflict mediation, I started freelancing and that's how I got into WordPress freelancing. So all of this, all of these changes, of course, have created an environment of uncertainty. We have been living with my family out of our own savings, which of course, they are limited and uh, coupled with uh, extreme exhaustion because of not being able to properly sleep. All of that created a huge pressure and we, we had a really challenging period 
of my life with with my wife. So throughout that period, having meditation as a tool, I would say, looking back, I would say it was a life savior, marriage savior, because keeping the practice on a daily basis, it was like a psychological shower, disregarding what would happen during that day or during that night. In the next morning, I would take some time to sit and to meditate, and again in the evening to sit and to meditate. So I'm making a comparison here. If if you work hard in your garden during the evening, you you feel like uh, having a shower. So similarly, meditation is like a psychological shower, which would help me, let's say, unload things that I went through. I wanted to ask more questions about what meditation feels like. Is the purpose of meditating to allow you to experience something for the duration of the meditation? So, say you do 10 minutes a day. Are the benefits only to be felt during those 10 minutes? Or do they extend out further into the day, the week, your life? Yeah, yeah, indeed, there there are a couple of things happening out there. Actually, I was meditating more than that. I was meditating one hour in the evening, one hour in the morning. And although this might sound like, where on earth do we take this time for, for meditating? One hour of meditation would literally replace one hour of sleep. So I would literally sleep less. I, I just didn't didn't feel like sleeping more. And the other hour I was probably taking partly from my personal time, partly from work, partly from being more productive at, at work, and obviously from from my, my family time. Nowadays I, I'm meditating less. I'm meditating probably around one hour per, per day. But coming back to your question about looking for a certain state it it depends it really depends on the meditation school that you are following some school would pursue and would would tell you that meditation is blissful and it's that state that you are training your mind to get into whenever there's a, an unpleasant reality around someone is shouting at you someone is like abusing you and then you switch that switch on and bang you are so blissful this is certainly one approach. I'm not sure it really works in, in reality. In the case of the meditation I'm practicing Vipassana, if you remember, uh, Vipassana means to see things as they really are. So things are not always very positive around us. You know, things happen in life. So if you train your mind during meditation to look for blissful states, then you will train your mind to look for those blissful states in your day-to-day life, which means you will probably put more misery into your life rather than taking some misery out of it because you cannot control life. So what actually Vipassana would, would teach you is by starting to observe your breath. You just focus on your breath inside, inside of your nostrils and you learn the, the impermanence of your breath. Instead of training your mind that there is a pleasant state that you need to search for, you train your mind to observe the things that are there, either pleasant or unpleasant, and to deal with them, to face them in a balanced manner. So this is a much more practical, say it's a way to live. It's an art. They would even call it the art of living. 
to train your mind to observe things as they happen in, in your body and then to observe, I don't know, to observe things around you. Maybe you see an ice cream, but you know this is not healthy for you. Then you just feel that sensations, those sensations in your mouth, and you observe them and you know those will come and go. Those are transitory. Or maybe, I don't know, a taxi drive, someone would ju just snag your taxi. You call the cab and someone just snagged it. Of course, there will be many pleasant sensations, un unpleasant sensations in your body. And what would uh, most of the people would do? They would probably say something nasty, they would shout, they would at least think something bad of the other person. Now, this is the moment when meditation could kick in and help you. You would observe uh, that primary impulse that manifests itself as a bodily sensation. And while observing it, you will be aware of it. And then instead of b the body driving you, you will start driving your body. It's like you, you are in a car, which is a very speedy car. And you are on a highway. And who's driving whom? Is it the dr car driving you or you are the driver in the driver's seat? So uh, the same applies to, to the situation I, I have described. You will not look at the other person snagging uh, your, your cab, but you will observe the situation. You will see what can be done in that situation, and you will do the right thing in that moment. You will have the right speech at the right tone. You, Of course, you will refrain yourself from, from being aggressive and from, I don't know, doing things that you would certainly regret later on. So it's about training your mind to be balanced in all aspects of your life. Marius described what he sees as the benefits of meditation, achieving balance, perspective, equanimity. Now I wanted to know about the mechanics of meditation. A passerby might see Marius sitting in a relaxed position, but beyond that, there's not really a lot to witness. It's all going on in Marius's head, so, how is meditation done? What are you doing during that time? I will describe my particular experience related to practicing Vipassana. So, according to this school, uh, as taught by S.N. Goenka, uh, in order to properly learn Vipassana, you need to take a 10-day course. And during those 10 days, the first three days, you will observe your breath, natural breath, without changing it. So you sit with your eyes closed and you keep your attention, your awareness inside of your nostrils and your upper lip and you just feel the breath coming in, coming out. There will be myriads of, myriads of thoughts coming through your head, popping in, but then you just gently bring back your attention to the breath. Why breath? Because breath, it's a connection. The breath is tightly connected to your diaphragm. And the breath is both a very conscious as well as unconscious act. One can consciously start breathing in a certain way, but then if you go through your day, you just forget to breathe, and then the breath is unconscious. So we use breath in, in Vipassana because it connects the subconscious mind with a conscious mind. So by observing the breath, its quality, the breath could be shallow, it could be deep, it could be fast, it could be slow, it could go from, it could be uh, warm, it could be maybe cold, it could go from one nostril, it could be, it could go through the other nostril. So 
by merely observing the breath, you're observing the reality of your own body within the body of your own framework. And the effect of observing your breath is that you sharpen your mind quite a lot. Imagine you're doing this for three long days, around 11 hours per day, of course, with some breaks. And once you, you finish those three days, you move on to the second part, which is the actual uh, Vipassana meditation. The, the first part is called Anapana meditation. It's very simple. You can start practicing at home. Just sit and observe your breath as it comes, as it goes, natural bare breath your breath. Now, in order to learn Vipassana, you really have to take this 10-day course. So during the next seven days out of those 10 days, you start observing the sensations that appear in your body. When I say a sensation, it's literally physical sensations. And again, you sit with your eyes closed, but because of the first three days, you start feeling a ton of sensations on your body. When I say a sensation, I mean it could be a sensation of warmth or coldness. It could be a sensation of itching, of punching, of throbbing, or of itching. Anything is a sensation. Even the, the touch of your clothes on your body, it's, it is a sensation. We're not looking for anything supernatural. We're, again, looking for the real stuff, the real thing that is there and that you are experiencing right now. And then you observe those sensations, placing your attention on the top of your head, then on your face, then on the back of your face, and then on, on, on your scalp to the right side and on the left side of the head. And then you observe your, your throat and then your chest and so on. So basically, this is called a body scanning. It's when you say scanning, it's like you are observing the sensations in all the parts of your body. You don't have to miss any part. Now, the key when you're observing these sensations, the key here is to remain equanimous. And what is the definition here of remaining equanimous? Uh, well, every time you observe a sensation, there will be three things that you will notice as you practice. The first thing that you will notice is impermanence, or as they call it in, in Pali, it's anicca which is constantly changing. So any sensation, be it pleasant or unpleasant, maybe it could be a sensation of pain because of you sat too, too long and you feel like moving. That's okay. You can move, you can change your posture, but observe that sensation of pain or of maybe you have a pleasant sensation because you think you're thinking about pudding or a nice dish that you're craving for. So the, the, the key of being equanimous here is to observe sensation as it is without manifesting neither craving for it and nor aversion. So it's without saying, oh, this is very pleasant. I want more of it. And of course, without saying, mm, this is so painful. I hate it. I hate this. I hate that. I want to get rid of this. I want to get rid of that. So by doing this for those 10 days, you're training your mind to observe the reality of your own body as it is. And you're also training your mind to observe the sensations that, to, to observe this essential quality of the sensations, which is impermanence. What is impermanence? A sensation will come and go. If you scan your body one time, you will see there are certain sensations. Next time, you will see different sensations and so on and so on. So you're basically training your mind to get to, to get used to the, the phenomenon of change within your framework of, of your own body. So that's essentially the experience that, that teaches you the impermanence. And then in the real life, you're getting more used to the change around and you're getting more used to the 
change and unexpected things happening here and there and you just know all of that will come and go. Although sitting still can be very nice, it's hard to imagine sitting and breathing for such long periods. I know that the goal is not to expect this to be easy. In fact, I'm sure that achieving this for seven days is very challenging, which made me wonder if it was common to become frustrated and feel that you were failing at meditation. Now, you see, that's a great question because I've personally went through this many times. And what you're calling a frustration, it's an emotion that has an underlying sensation. But your, your mind, because it's not yet trained, it just doesn't feel it. So what I'm doing is I'm observing the sensations of my body. I'm always looking to see what is beyond this frustration. And what I surprisingly notice is this feeling of frustration, it just comes and goes. It is impermanent. And this is a huge learning. It is a crucial learning to understand that everything will come and go. It won't stay. And of course, not all the styles are for everybody. I'm not saying this is the right path or that is the right path. Probably that's why there are thousands of ways to meditate. The reason I I like this style of meditation is because it yields very positive results in my own life. I've went through thousands, hundreds of thousands changes in my, I would say, in my character traits by merely becoming aware that, hey, I was doing this for years. So suddenly I have a choice about it. And that is, that is really powerful when it comes to knowing thy, thy, thyself, knowing oneself. And there's, there's one more thing that I would like to add about sensations. Uh, what is a sensation? Uh, I told you a sensation, I mentioned it's a real thing that you are experiencing. It's a bodily thing that you are experiencing. But essentially, every sensation, it's a biochemical reaction. So essentially, we are training, you are training your mind to feel the underlying biochemical reactions that happen in your body at the physical level, but you perceive them as as sensations. That led me to think about the opposite outcome. What if you were to become very passionate about meditation? You achieve great results, and it's exactly what you'd hoped for. Might it be possible to meditate too much, to, in a sense, become addicted because it's so pleasurable? Well, it is certainly the right word to to use. You can get at times pleasant sensations. Again, with the pleasant sensations, just like with the unpleasant ones, the key here is to observe what is beyond that pleasurable sensation. And if you'll keep practicing, you will certainly see that that sensation will come and go whenever, and that's part of the journey, that part of the learning, whenever you are clinging to a pleasant sensation, because you're not control, you, you, you don't have the ability to control that sensation. Essentially, it's a, just a bodily process. It's a, it's a biochemical reaction. But because you train your mind to crave for more, to want for more, and, and you're becoming addicted to that, there will come a time very soon when you will crave for more 
pleasant sensations. And because you won't get them, then pleasant sensations will kick in. And very soon your, your pleasant sensations will be replaced with unpleasant sensations. So again, we are talking about an impermanence. It's like an ocean. It's like an ocean that's content. It has waves in all the directions and it comes and goes and comes and goes. And the, and the key here is to sit there and to, to observe the ocean and to remain equanimous. Concentrating upon your breath, or whatever else you're focusing on, is quite an isolated activity. You can do all of this by yourself whenever you like. There seems to be quite a lot of self-discovery, working it out as you go, for yourself. Marius mentioned that you can go on retreats, but is it possible, or better, to just figure it all out on your own? So when it comes to the basics of meditation, you can start observing your breath at home. If you want to learn Vipassana, which is far beyond observing your breath, you would rather have to take a 10-day course. It's not a 7-day, it's a 10-day course. And no problem. For the sake of clarity, I'm mentioning this. I, I think it's the best investment you can make in yourself in, in your life. And there the meditation is guided. There are literally audio and video records that would guide you. And there are assistant teachers that would answer your questions about meditation. And you will, you will be taught um, meditation techniques step by step that's like thousands of years old. And it has brought benefits to many, many people. My exposure to learning new skills is that I start from a point of ignorance and with hard work and dedication, I get better at it. I could not ride a bike, but I got on and after many falls, I learned how to do it. I started with an empty glass and filled up with experience and practice until I became better. This all seems quite different it seems like Marius is saying that it's already in us, that the glass is not empty at the start. It's just that most of us don't look for it. When we are born, those who have kids, uh, more than one, they certainly know how different can be those two kids. One can be very, very quiet and, and peaceful, and he would observe all the rules, and the other one would be just the opposite. I'm saying this because I don't really think we are born as empty cups. I think we are coming with some pre-installed software. I don't know where does it come from, why is there? But those initial character traits, those preferences, let's rely on genetics. I think it's simpler. Let's say we are inborn with some genetic traits and they would make us prefer one thing or, or another. Similarly, when, when you approach meditation, you can be more or less ready to approach it. You can be nearer or farther on this path. However, if someone is determined to learn to meditate, it just doesn't matter where are you on, on this path. It's about willpower, it's about persistence, it's about grit, it's about that curiosity to see what is behind this um, unbearable whatever 
feeling situation. If, if, you ha- if you are curious enough to keep going, to just keep going and keep going and keep going, of course, by being aware, keeping oneself aware and making sure you're walking on the right path, you will certainly learn, learn new things. This is going to be hard to express, but I'll give it a go. Human history goes back a long way. Many thousands of years ago, people roamed the earth and lived their lives, which were very different to our own. Over time, discoveries were made, which were added to the human experience, and each subsequent generation built upon the shoulders of their ancestors. First, we were cold, so we sheltered in caves. Then fire was discovered, and heat became portable. Walls and roofs later surrounded the fire, and now we have complex plumbing networks. You get the idea. Humans evolve, and the ideas change. But the meditation that Marius pursues was first practiced many years ago. Many of the ideas and technologies from that era have been dropped and replaced. But not this. How did it survive? More than 2000 and so years ago, so according to facts as I, I've read them as, uh, and as I know them, there was this guy called Prince Siddhartha, Gautama, uh, which, well, he was a prince and he said, why is all of this suffering in the world? So he just went on this journey of fighting with the sources of suffering. So that's how he kept on going and going and he discovered uh, the Vipassana meditation. By the way, some some people call call this guy the oldest psychologist of of the world because he was working with the mind and with the matter. But later, so he was teaching this uh, Vipassana technique meditation. Later, even during his life and after his life, the local re- religious and, and cults, they have taken the, the meditation and they have basically invented the Buddhism. Where does this word Buddhist come from? It comes from Buddha. Buddha means enlightened. Literally enlightened, nothing more or less than that. So he invented this this technique. He discovered it. He's not invented. He's discovered it within the framework of his body. He described it. He started teaching it. And then some people around him started to create a religion around it. As I understood, he never intended to create a religion. Neither. Anyway, I'm not going to go into religious stuff now. But as I've heard, neither Jesus nor Buddha, they didn't want to create a religion. They were, they have discovered something and they they wanted to share it with the world. Now, because of various influences and political stuff and the religions of those times, some people decided to make a religion out of this. So that's why uh, I'm calling it a pre-Buddhist thing. This guy, Gautama the Buddha, Gautama the Enlightened One, he wanted to to, to have as many people as possible to benefit to have the benefits of, of this technique and he basically sent out a couple of hundred of disciples around the world to just teach the technique nobody has to bow to him nobody has to to mention mention his name or anything like that so Throughout the next 2,000 years, there were many branches of Buddhism that sprang up and appeared. 
but in in Burma, in the nowadays Birmania or Burma, there was a lineage of of monks that they preserved the technique in a way that would be less let's say less Buddhist and more just into technique. During the last uh, 60 or 70 years, this Birmanese guy, who, by the way, in the um, in the meantime, he passed away, the teacher uh, Goenka, he basically started to teach the Vipassana technique, uh, the pre-Buddhist style, just the technique without you having to respect or follow any kind of, of rituals or uh, precepts or anything like that so uh, the, the the technique he, he was teaching it's universal it doesn't depend on any religion because breath it's a very universal thing breath it's not uh, catholic or protestant or orthodox or, or or hindus or or muslim or anything like that it's it's just a breath and similarly your bodily sensation of craving an aversion it's similarly it's it's universal so what what this teacher has done uh, goenka he has created the first meditation certain uh, center in this tradition and this tradition, this school of Vipassana, it, amongst the other things that it respects, is it's the purity of purpose. It's what they call the purity of purpose. It's basically they are giving out this teaching for free, without expecting anything, absolutely anything in return. Uh, there is no minimum recommended donation or anything like that. And... During the last 60 or 70 years, there have been more than 120 centers all around the world. And as far as I know, there are three centers in the United Kingdom, in UK, which are teaching people, thousands of people all every year how to meditate uh, Vipassana. And these centers, they don't charge anything. Uh, you get free teaching, you get free food, and you get free accommodation. And that is because they they basically, they, they are following the purity of purpose. The thing that they are giving out is not conditioned by anything else. Their purpose, it's pure of any conditioning. The centers are run by, by volunteers. And the, the way it, it works, and this is one thing that kind of attracted me to it, when I go to take a course, my course has been paid for by a previous meditator. But how? When you finish, when you finish a course, your own course, it's free. You don't have to pay anything for it. But in case you think this meditation will, will, will bring benefit to someone else, you can leave financial donation of any sum. Nobody will ever ask you for this or for that amount. And you are basically paying for the next person that will, will come in. And believe it or not, there are 130 centers all over the world. The oldest European center is in, in UK. It's called Dhammadipa. It, it has been working like that for more than 50 years in Europe alone. But there are, there are centers all over the world in Germany, Austria, Italy, Switzerland, Spain, you name it, in Scandinavian countries, of course, in Asia, Africa, and Americas. So, yeah, this is about history. So, somehow, there were some forces that, throughout the history, they have invented the religion on top of this technique. 
somehow there were some guys that kept this this technique pure of any other religious belief or dogma and it it just keeps going so perhaps your interest has been piqued perhaps you want to know more about meditation what's the best way to start If you are attracted to meditation, then just go for it, disregarding the style. You can grab an app and start using it, or you can go to a local meditation center. Just try it for yourself and see if it works for you. If you want to try Vipassana, Vipassana meditation, you can go to the website that I mentioned. Maybe we can have a link at, at the bottom of the podcast. Yeah. And there is a section called Anapa, Mini Anapana Meditation. And there's a short, like 10 or 15 minutes recording with some instructions. And that, I think, would be the best place to start. It's some 10, 15 minutes effort. You can do it at your home, in your uh, home's comfort at your own pace and you just listen to those instructions you follow them and you can get a taste of it what an interesting conversation such a lot of ground covered but doubtless so many stones still left unturned before we parted i asked marius if there was anything that he wanted to add that we'd missed out what can i say life will constantly change even though we think we have the recipe, we have the solution, there will come a day when the recipe will need to be rewritten. And by constantly learning and looking for tools and mentors and teachers around us, and by getting better and better, by developing ourselves, I think we can, we can have a pretty good journey. And of course, never forget about the others that come behind. They, they, maybe they need your guidance and you can eventually shade some light and, and help someone just the way you've been helped yourself in various aspects of your life. So just keep going. Yeah, keep walking, keep going and don't forget to smile and always look for a solution. And by the way, Someone I really respect said to me once that from every situation, so from from every seemingly, from every situation that seems to have no no solution, no exit, there are at least three exits, at least three solutions. So just keep looking for them. One of the purposes of the Press Forward podcast is to lift the lid on topics that don't get talked about enough to allow people to share their stories so that others might listen. And by listening, they may gain an understanding that they're not alone. There are other people out there who have faced the same situations that you are facing. They have found a way through and can offer support to you on your journey. Maybe that person is already in your life, but they might not be. And that's what WPNOP is here for, to connect you with the support that you need. The Press Forward podcast is brought to you today by Green Geeks. Green Geeks offers a specially engineered platform that gives WordPress users web hosting that is designed to be the fastest, most secure and scalable hosting in multiple data centers. Their WordPress hosting makes deploying and managing WordPress websites easy with automatic one-click install 
managed updates, real-time security protection, SSD RAID 10 storage arrays, power cacher, and expert help 24-7 to make for the best web hosting experience. And we thank Green Geeks for their support of the Press Forward podcast. That's it for this week. Please let us know if you're enjoying the podcast, if you're finding it useful or helpful. You can reach out to us at wpnop.org forward slash contact. And don't forget to have a look at the head2.org website as well. There's a serious point to all of this, and that is that WPNOP is here to provide help and support. That help is available for you or people you know and can be easily accessed at the wpnop.org website. Please spread the word about this podcast, tell your friends, and subscribe on your favourite podcast player. And remember that together we can press forward. Thank you.